I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Wednesday, wherever it is that you're joining us in the world. I hope today you had a fantabulous day. And those of you that are watching us live, it may be well into Thursday, again, depending on where it is that you're joining us tonight. But wherever it is that you are, thank you, as always, for making My EdTech Life what it is today. We do what we do for you so we can bring you amazing content, amazing conversations week in and week out so we can continue to grow our profession, so we can continue to grow our skills, and so we can continue to take some knowledge nuggets and sprinkle them onto what we are already doing great. So thank you all for joining us this evening. Again, thank you for the likes, the shares, the follows on all our socials. Thank you for listening as well. So guys, again, I'm really excited about tonight. We have an amazing guest. We are here with David Jackson today from Digital Promise. And today we're definitely focusing on elevating professional development. So I'm really excited about today's conversation as David is just talking in the pre-chat. I'm already excited and hyped up about what we're talking about and especially with professional development as to what many, you know, preconceived notions of what it should be, what it looks like, and maybe what it's not looking like. And we're definitely going to be sharing some amazing resources and amazing webinars that are going to be uh, made available by Digital Promise. But we'll get in all into that in just a second. But I definitely want to welcome David to the show. David, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am beyond excited to, to jump into our conversation. And then just going back to what you said, the pre-chat already has me hyped to, to jump into the topic for the day. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And like I mentioned in the pre-chat, you are my very first guest from Miami, so I'm really excited about that. So thank you so much for joining us all the way from Miami. But David, so we can get the conversation going. I just want to let you know that anybody that is a guest on the My EdTech Live show is somewhat of a superhero, or I liken them to a superhero because obviously okay. working in education, it definitely is, is something that is heroic. And as we all know, Every superhero has an origin story. So, David, I would love for you to take us back prior to you getting into education and give us a little brief background as to your journey that got you here into this role with Digital Promise. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I should just rip my shirt off and just show like the big S I have to watch this. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I don't even know where to start when it when it comes to when it comes to origin story, but but I'll try to hit all of the points that I think are very important that directly codify how I exist right now in in this particular moment in this particular space. A lot of my want to to get into education really stems from my my childhood. Both my mother and father are two two Jamaican immigrants who came to who came to the United States and in search for something better, similar to a lot of other immigrants. And my mom was really hardcore on just ensuring that education was at the forefront of every single thing that we did. We had to read before bed. We had to practice writing. We had to know our timetables. And those were things that, that were deeply ingrained in me. But I, I think as time started to go on, education kind of loses its luster. Because as you get older, especially in the social and, and social construct wise, it's not as cool as once you get to high school, it's not as cool to be smart as it was in elementary. And so I think I, I kind of veer, veered a little, a little far over to, to the right in terms of my interest to be in education. But in 2015, I had a very unique opportunity to spend some time in Paris, France, under the tutelage of, of one of my mentors and professor, Dr. Janice Mays. And there I had the unique opportunity to do two things. One was study the influence of African-American literature on the grand scheme of Paris. And two was to conduct an independent research project comparing the Parisian nursery school system to the elementary system down in Miami-Dade County, Florida. So talking about the entry to education 
what does it look like for, for a child to move into the space, into the space of learning? And with that in 2015 was when I really started to lock in to the, this idea of, I need to bring every single thing that I've gained away from the United States. I need to bring everything back, back to my home in Miami Dade County, Florida. And so a lot of everything that I got, and, and I want to also note my first time ever leaving Miami was to go to college. And my second time leaving, getting on an airplane was to go to Paris. And so those two experiences deeply impacted how important it was not only to be in education, but also to be a black man occupying space in Miami-Dade County, Florida, who looks just like my students, who sounds just like my students, who walks just like my students. And, and from those experiences, it brought me into traditional education. I had an opportunity to teach at my alma mater, Miami Central Senior High School, which was phenomenal. Um, and I later got into instructional development and support, went on to teach at the middle school level while simultaneously working a juvenile redevelopment program focused on students who were recently, recently uh, put back into the public space, this idea of rehabilitation in a really genuine and authentic way. So I've had an opportunity to see education in several spaces, traditional public education. On the juvenile side, I had an opportunity to see what it looks like there. And I've also had the opportunity to travel across the United States doing independent contracted work on social, social emotional development, training and support and leadership development, both locally and internationally. So I, I've seen a lot when they, when it comes to the, the different variabilities that exist for, for students. And if, if I had to put my origin in a nutshell, like dad, those are all the things that speak to where I am now. Uh, and how I'll continue to pour back into, pour back into spaces where, where I think I need to be seen. You know, and what you just said is very wonderful in following just the trajectory that you shared. And what I love and admire the most, David, that you mentioned is really having the opportunity to see things from many different views, not just one specific grade level, yes. but I know you serve multiple grade levels. And obviously also the the studying abroad and the research that you've done coming back. And like you mentioned, you know, being a, you know, a role model or be seen as, you know, somebody in the community that your students can look up to as well. And, you know, bringing all that package together and now, you know, you're working for digital promise. So tell me a little bit about that role and how you just, you know, described your origin story and how this door opened up for you an opportunity where you are now part of Digital Promise. Yeah, uh, and, and that, that's such a loaded question too. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I think about that question every day. <laughs> like how on earth did I, did I end up here? Um, sometimes I, I consider it an act of divine intervention to be completely honest with you. We were in a space at, at the time when, when I started to, to look for opportunities outside of, outside of traditional education it came at the height of the pandemic. And this is something that everybody has acknowledged, all educators, anybody who was a part of educating students in the midst of a global pandemic, we all felt what, what it felt like to be reactive instead of proactive in many ways. But one thing that stood out to me the most was areas that are directly poverty stricken, areas that don't necessarily have access to resources when it comes to how do we utilize tech to move to the next level, I saw firsthand what that destruction looked like for our students. I saw firsthand what it looked like for students to not have access, not only to resource, but their, their entire lives changed right in front of me. So just connecting my origin story back to where I am now, a lot of the way I'm, I'm has always been, how can I use the things that I know? How can I use the things that I'm passionate about? How can I use my essence to really fill a gap? And about two years into the, into the pandemic, I realized that there was something more I could be doing that combined my love for facilitation, that combined my love for delivery, that combined my, my just genuine internal passion to, to want to learn and be bigger, be bigger than myself for the community. Uh, Combining all those things together, I have no idea how it happened, but I, I was strolling on LinkedIn one day and I saw a post from Digital Promise to Verizon Innovative Learning Schools and it spoke to me. I applied and then the, the, the rest was history. And, and for about the last 
two and a half years, I've had an opportunity to combine all the things that I'm deeply passionate about and, and touch and touch spaces that are, that are a lot larger, that directly speak to the feeling I had inside to witness what students were going through, especially in my county, students, especially who are historically marginalized, like the feeling of watching that firsthand is, is, is something that shakes you enough to where you have no choice but to move. And the response was digital promise. Oh, no, that is so powerful, David, just to hear that, that story. And obviously, it, you know, the way that you present yourself and that you, I really feel that passion that you have. And you mentioned, you know, the word facilitate. And obviously, you know, I, I really think that with your experience and what you saw and your mission and just how you felt just compelled to say, you know what, something needs to change. And there's some gaps that are here that need to be filled, whether it's through facilitation or the skill set that you have developed over time through your experiences, like you mentioned earlier in your origin story. And now you're in this role and I am, I'm not shocked. I must say, you know, because of the way that you're describing this and I'm really excited about this. And, you know, so diving in, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you, you dove in here to digital promise and talking about professional development. Now, I, I mean, I'm really stoked, honestly, still like in awe because of your origin story in this and how you yourself pursued your own professional development. And while you were working, you were seeing what else needs to be changed. So I want to ask you, before we talk a little bit more about Verizon's Innovative Learning Headquarters, um, you know, can you share from your perspective as you work with school districts and overall, just since you have a, a great view of many places that you may have access to, you know, what are some of the trends that you are seeing right now currently when it comes to professional uh, development within school districts? Yeah, that, that's another, that, that's, a, that's a great question. There, there are a couple that, that really speak to me, a couple that we hear, uh, we hear day in and day out. And most recently we, we just did, we just had a coach camp down, down at Coral Gables in Miami, where we had an opportunity to really connect, really connect with the individuals that are really moving the grassroots implementation of the program. And, and even there, we heard these topics constantly, constantly brought back up. One of them in particular was the concept of, of learning variability, right? How do we consider the unique, the unique traits that students bring to the table? How do we solve for X utilizing technology, right? When I, when I say utilizing technology, also considering we, we can't be equitable. We can't practice the term of equity if we don't know our personnel if we don't know where exactly the margin needs to, needs to be filled. And so there's a, there's an increasing need or increasing want for more responsive PD that directly revolves around supporting, uh, supporting the different variabilities of the student. And then also on the backside, um, we're also hearing a lot about just the, the emerging conversations of, of artificial intelligence. I think not only, not, not only is it, is it rapidly growing, there are some concerns from educators about the use, uh, the use of artificial intelligence, but on the back end, I think educators really want to get in front of it to figure out how can I use that to better support my students. And, and so those two at the core, at the core of those, I think there, there's a want to be equipped just to go back to something I said in the beginning to be proactive as opposed to waiting for the next big thing to happen to then figure out a solution for that. So. That's what, those are the things that, that are trending right now that I've heard a lot of. That's what, that's what teachers are asking. That's what professionals are asking on, on this side. Yeah. You know, and I agree with you. I concur that right now, I think educators obviously feeling overwhelmed because you know, I, talk, the talk has been, you know, AI since about November of this past year, those conversations maybe were had. And then the plan is hey, you know, as we all plan, it's like, oh, we're going to plan some professional development around the summertime. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we just got our state scores back. So guess what? The professional development is going to change a little bit. Right. And now we're going to focus more on this or how to get ready for next year. And then all of a sudden the school year starts like it did for us. I felt like it's been a blur since the school year started because it's moving by so fast. And then all of a sudden those conversations fall by the wayside. And sometimes 
even the professional development just falls through because it's it's difficult to pull teachers. It's difficult because they want to be in their classrooms. They they have a goal. They know what they need to do and and how to get there. But sometimes it's important, like you mentioned, you know, that we equip them properly. Now, one of the things that I do want to bring up, uh, David, I know we talked a little bit about it pre-chat, you know, the trends that you're describing are all great, you know, learning about, you know, learner variability, talking about AI and getting ahead of it. But one of the things that I also see and hear is from educators that some of professional development has now kind of turned more into a, hey, this is, we're pulling you to tell you more of what you need to do, more like a compliance, as opposed to actually building and giving a space for educators to, I guess, sharpen their skills, to practice, to really grow. And on top of that, giving them resources to help them grow. Is this something that through your experience and through your lens and eye that you have, is it something that you may see and hear also as well? Yeah, I think, and, and, and that's, that's such an interesting, such an interesting concept, right? Because it's almost like it's, it's a little bit of gunk that has, it's, it's a little bit of that bad taste that has been left in the mouths after you have something that wasn't quite palatable. And I think we see that when, when it comes to the, when we're presenting new concepts, people already have an idea in their mind based on what has happened in the past as it relates to professional development. Because a lot of the a lot of the old guard, right? A lot of the old ways to do things were and did revolve around sitting. Get it did revolve around how how do I get a certain amount of hours before I move forward? There there were, there was a a lack of authenticity when it comes to does this truly speak to me in the direction that I want to move in as an educator? And then there was also no rapport when we think about professional developments. I think what makes what we do what we do deeply unique is is this idea that yes, it is responsive, but at its core, it's interactive, it's sustainable, and it's fair. And I think the the question that that we have to ask ourselves when delivering professional developments or professional learnings, the biggest question that we should be asking is, is where does this fit? But at large, we can't abandon what we know about being in those shoes. We can't abandon what we know about being in the classroom, knowing how hectic the year can become, knowing how fast the calendar rapidly evolves, like knowing that you can be in the midst of professional development then go to school Monday and the entire landscape of your day changes because of an interaction you have with a student. We can't abandon those things when we think about putting together a professional learning for, for teachers. And the last thing, the last thing I, I want to put on top of that, just to just to add a little more sauce to it, when it comes to professional development and professional learning, inside of all of us, inside of all learners, there is a child that exists. And we cannot stray away from this idea that it still has to be fun. It still has to be engaging, right? It still has to, to spark something in our minds to say, hey, I want to try this. And if we continue to move further away from that spark, then we're always going to run into that same conflict, that same wall where PDs do seem at this big daunting task. It's just one more thing. And and, and we can't have that happen because the, the goal at the end of the day, yes, we want to equip teachers. We we want to make sure that they have, they have the tools necessary to go in and solve a problem. But there is something greater at stake here. And those are the young lives of the students that we work with day in and day out. So we have to reach a teacher. We have to reach a coach. We have to reach the individuals in the school before we can even consider reaching the individuals at the ground floor. Uh, absolutely. That is very powerful. And I think it's very well said. And one of the things that you mentioned is I think it's, it's just that rapport and that sit and get routine, yeah. you know, and like you said, it's definitely important to make it just as engaging. I mean, we ask you know, our teachers to make the classroom engaging for students. So why not also make professional development engaging and show some best practices too through that for our teachers to actually kind of learn while they're there. And you're really essentially during the PD, you're modeling, you know, that that you want to share with them. And I think that's something that's very important that, you know, you mentioned, but I think it's that rapport. and, And for myself, and I'm only speaking from my personal experience, at least 
in the past before I, I got into this role and being in the classroom, professional development just really seems like it was very uh, cookie cutter in the sense that it was very difficult to buy in to somebody that is coming out from or coming not coming from the district and really trying to provide something or a solution for maybe even a demographic that they may not be very familiar with or may not work with continually. And so sometimes we feel like, hey, this might work somewhere else, but I'll, I'll take the good. And like I said, I always take those little knowledge nuggets that do work and sprinkle them onto what they can, that what I can and, and elevate that. But sometimes I think that was the perception that it's like, well, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel authentic. And the rapport piece is definitely something that is very important. So kind of going into that a little bit more, you know, and, and I know you mentioned right now some of the trends, learner variability. We're talking about AI. But in the, these past years, um, and let me ask you, uh, David, real quick, if we're just for this question, how long is it now that you've been working with uh, Digital Promise? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. So prior, you know, to, I guess, your experience coming into Digital Promise and even now, you know, two years in, two and a half years in, you know, what, uh, what are some of the things that, you know, teachers are needing the most support in currently that you see right now through your role? Yeah, I think accessible PDs, w without a doubt, are, 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 are def definitely what I think teachers, well, I have a couple, so I'll start with accessible PDs at, at the top. Being able to, being able to find the content, being able to get to content, being able to get the things that are relatable. I think that's definitely one of them. And the second one, the second one is a little larger. The, the second one is the how-to. I think we do, I think often we do a really good job of, of presenting, especially PDs, presenting concepts and, and laying things out. But the next question is, well, how do I get there? Right? How do I actually implement that into my classroom, right? What does that, what does that look like when it's moved out of this space and it's moved into, into a classroom that may not be what was represented inside of the actual professional development. I think that's, that's one of the, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest places to be. Uh, and I think the, I think the next one, the, the third one is a little bit of, well, if I implement this, what else can I do with this? And I know we'll speak a little bit about micro credentials later on, but I think there is also a want right there. There's also a want after trying, after doing the work to be credentialed in a way that shows I can now take this learning somewhere else and, and show somebody how to do it. Or I have something that, that, that directly, directly proves mastery in a particular lane. And so, and I know we'll dive into that later, but I just wanted to throw it into the pot right now, because I, I do know that that is a want that educators have, like that is something that, that is something that they definitely want out of this, out of this experience. Yeah, no, and that's truly very, it, 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 like you said, yeah, I think you said it very well. It's just that accessibility. And oftentimes I really feel that maybe even like, uh, you know, a lot of the teachers, I know, including myself, when I do professional development, I, I sometimes I, I just really enjoy just the self-paced or looking at a webinar and, and going, finding something where I get to choose what it is that I'm needing because that's what I may need at that given time, you know, they like kind of a choice board, like, hey, you know what, like now I maybe I have teachers that do want more of that learner variability. Well, now yes. I'm going to go and equip myself with that so that that way I can present it to them. Should they want just something that is bite-sized, digestible, we can go through it together, discuss it, have the communication, but at the same time, giving them a resource where they say, hey, if you want to follow up a little bit more on this, here's the way that you can access that. And for me, usually I always tell teachers, I was like, if I'm going to share something with you, it's definitely going to be free 99. Cause I always say if it's free <laughs> for me and you know, I'm definitely going to make sure that you have access to something that is going to be good. That's going to help you and equip you. And I think that's definitely something that is very important because a lot of times many districts, at least I feel may say like, Hey, well, we're bringing somebody in. Well, yeah, you know, it is accessible, but you're only getting them for those six to eight hours. And then after that, where's the follow through where, what, who can I show or share, you know, my final product with or something like that. And then I'll, sometimes what will happen is those initiatives, they start off great and then they just kind of fizzle out because there isn't that follow through. So I think, you know, when we're going to be hitting and talking a little bit more about elevating innovation and 
uh, what you uh, have coming, uh, you know, coming soon that we're going to share for all our audience members to make sure that they log in to uh, Verizon. And we'll definitely give you a URL for that. And then we'll talk about those webinars. But yes, I, I am with you 100% on that as far as the access, uh, something very, that's great. So when it comes to digital learning right now, I know, again, we mentioned AI, but there's so many other things that are available on that digital site. I know when you talked about mathematics, being able to present that in a digital form, you know, virtual manipulatives, things of that sort. So I want to ask you, as far as professional development for teachers, you know, why is accessible professional development important on that digital side or the digital aspect when it comes to digital learning? Yeah. And you kind of already, you kind of hinted to this in, in your, in your response back to me. So I'm going to pull a little bit of your response into, into mine. The, there, there's a quote that reads, once teachers stop learning, then the students do too. And one thing we have to consider, is especially in the world that we exist in now, is how education is rapidly evolving. It, it always goes through several iterations, right? It's, it's always changing. It's always, it's always transforming. And if we don't stay in front of the transformation, if we don't clearly have our finger on the pulse of transformation, then, then we lose our connection back to the ground floor. We, use, we lose our connection back to the students. We have to consider, especially in the world that we live in now, post-COVID, students are living and existing in a digital age. They, they live in the digital world, whether we want to admit that or not, that is, that is the truth, right? That is just a genuine fact. You go outside, you see toddlers, three, four, five, operating on an iPad. They can work a mobile device. There are students. We had, a, I had a chance to go down to, to Alabama with the League of Innovative Schools, another great initiative that, that Digital Promise has under. And I saw kids in elementary with laptops doing project-based learning. It is the world that we live in. It is where we are currently. So if teachers are not equipped, if teachers don't have access to those things, then we'll, we're fighting a battle that we can't win especially again, in, in areas that have been historically marginalized. And there's another piece that, that I want to bring out of your response. And that's this idea of choice. And it, it's something powerful about giving educators full control over place, pace, path, and time. Because it's, it's one thing to say, here's a bunch of concepts. I want you to learn this, but there's another, and this is where the equity piece comes in the same way we're asking teachers to be responsive to the need of students then we have to be responsive to the needs of educators because we have to know everybody's coming in on a different level. And if everybody's coming in on a different level, then that directly means that everybody will need something else. Everybody will need access to something else that's going to take them to another place to move students out of the margin and closer to mastery. But the only way we can do that is if we provide, if we provide these digital learnings, if we provide access to these spaces, where teachers can live and exist and dwell. The only way we can do that is if we're front-loading and, and we're leading them to where they can make that choice. And, and a lot of it, a lot of it does require a shift in narrative. Just going back to the, the, the topic before, when we think about professional developments, it is so daunting. But if we let them know, if we let educators know that this is to best help you to serve the learner, then we're moving in the right, we're moving in the right direction. We give them control. We're moving in the right direction, but we have to empower them to, we can't force, you can't force anybody to do anything, but if we can empower them, if they can see the benefit of digital learning, if they can see the benefit of learning and understanding how this will best help me in my day to day, how this will help me differentiate instruction, how this will help me get closer to students who need a little more of me how this acknowledges the student and maybe way further ahead. This acknowledges several assets inside of the classroom. And if we can get there, we can get to the core of that. Then I think, then I think we're cooking some, some good stuff up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, going back to what you're saying, as far as, you know, maybe like the, the saying goes, leading a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. Um, this year, at the beginning of the year, during our convocation, we had uh, Dr. Manny Scott who came in and, he talked about, he's like, oh, you know, you may not make them drink, but at least if you give them a little seasoning, you know, that salt lick, you're going to make them thirsty. So yeah. I, I, I yeah. think it's, it goes with that in that 
We really need to help make our teachers thirsty by providing that sizzle, that spice to really get them excited and obviously, you know, get them going and, and just, again, getting, giving them access, helping them see that what they're doing is definitely going to tie into their current practice. And it's not just something else that feels like it's compliance, but it's something that's going to equip them to be readily available to improvise, adapt, and overcome as needed because they'll have that skill set and they'll have those tools and that knowledge. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I want to share a comment. We've got Tanya who's joining us in the chat. Tanya is a great friend. And I, prior to what we just got into, she had mentioned here, you know, talking about the same lesson adapted at every child's needs. It takes a lot of time to adapt one worksheet or a lesson to five different levels of learning. So it kind of goes back to also the importance of having that tech and yeah. being able to have those technology skills. So talking now a little bit more about professional development, but at this time also bringing in the Digital Promises PD courses uh, through Verizon Innovative Learning Headquarters. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and the topics that are specifically covered through that professional development for all our educators to know about? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, I want to I do a backward step too and just... Okay. Um, Acknowledge the acknowledge the connection between digital promise and the Verizon Innovative Learning Schools. And then I'll like tread into I'll tread into the the HQ next because I think I think it's important to talk about what digital promise and Verizon has committed to do for the last ten years, which, which is a a big a really big milestone. But also taking a look at where the where the future of the Verizon Innovative Learning Schools is is going to go. And so when we, when we, we look at the root of what, what they're doing there, and, and I think this is what makes us, what makes us unique. We're talking about our, our ability to supporting our ability to support students and teachers in Title one school to unlock the potential of technology. And, and I love the concept of unlocking the potential of technology because dormant, it doesn't matter. Dormant, a computer, you can close a laptop, you, you, you can leave it on a, a shelf anywhere, but if you know how. If you know the different ways you can utilize, right now we're talking about transforming teaching and learning inside of the classroom, but ultimately, ultimately moving students to a place where they're the ones shifting and guiding their learning. They're the ones who are controlling what the learning experience is. And so we're talking about a commitment to ensure that teachers in schools are receiving those, those equitable professional developments to support powerful learning that leverage technology. So teachers are getting three experiences a year that directly correlate to a track that resonates with what the school needs, right? And it's not just a track that we pick. The, the schools have an opportunity to say, well, this is, this is what we need in, in this moment. And so we go in on the learning experience side and they have an opportunity to, to earn micro-credentials at the, at the end of that experience around several, several different, several, several, sorry, several different topics that, that directly pair with, with something that, that they're most interested in. And so I want to pause there to see if you have anything about that. And then I don't want to overload, then I'll jump into the HQPD courses. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I wanted, and I don't know if maybe this is a good time, but I did want to talk a little bit more about micro-credentials. So uh, you know, I think that's something that is very important and very useful, but maybe for our audience members that may be a, not familiar with micro-credentials, I know a lot of them think like, oh, are those the badges that you put on your signature <laughs> on and so forth? But if you can just tell us a little bit more about what a micro-credential is specifically and also how that would benefit an educator as they go through a PD course and receive these micro-credentials. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I, and I do, I do still like the, the concept of badge, badges because mm -hmm. you, you still have to earn them. Right. And then, and I've always been a fan of like putting the work in to earn something, to take full pride in the amount of hours I spend to, to complete something. And so what micro-credentials are for, for those folk who may be a little new to, to the landscape, uh, to the landscape of that, they provide educators with, with the means to verify a particular competency, right. In a certain skill set. For example, like leveraging augmented reality in the classroom, right? That's a micro-credential that students, sorry, that teachers will be able to earn to prove that they're a master in that particular element. That the idea is going back to that, that place of equity and that place of choice. Micro-credentials empower educators to drive their own professional learning. It's, a, it's going back to this terminal passion to want to learn more that directly aligns 
with their professional goal. Because the question is, I am here now, but in order, right, in order for me to best serve, in order for me to, to, truly, to truly take up that space to move to, to the next level, I have to continue to learn. I have to continue to master, master these competencies. And in full transparency, I may have other professional goals that still service education and micro-credentials directly help and align to help me move into those spaces. And, and the beautiful part about it, um, they may qualify, right? The hours that you put into your micro-credentials may qualify for, for some educational unit um, in various districts or states, which, which is an added incentive or maybe some hours for recertification. But the, the purpose, again, is simply to, to own and master a competency to earn a badge or to, to earn a credential that shows that you've put in the work to do it. You are an expert in SEAL, but also for you to push and continue to grow in a professional space. And those are, those are on our, our HQ and, and you can get to those for free. Oh, I love that. And that's one of the questions that I wanted to ask too, as many of our audience members, obviously many times they, they hear about these great programs, they hear about this great PD. And obviously, you know, in the world that we live in, the, for them or for all of us, actually, the way it would sometimes the economy may feel, the economy of our wallet is like, how much and what is the price of this? But you just let us know right now that these are completely free, provided by Digital Promise and Verizon HQ and the partnership that you have built. Is that correct? Yep, that is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. Wonderful. So now, like, let us know now, or get, we can go get into this right now, as far as accessing the professional development that is available, uh, how can our audience members uh, access that? For sure. If, if audience members want to want to jump in and, and dive, uh, we've, prepared, we've prepared a special link for those, for those individuals who are listening, where, where they can go to the headquarters by this backslashing, uh, backslashing my ed tech life. And we, let me drop the link in the chat also. To, to help us out. Absolutely. And then uh, what I'll do also is I'll even go ahead and share my screen here as well. And then that way we can show our audience members here. Let me pop that in. All right. So here, what you would do is you would go to verizon.com forward slash my ed tech life. And then of course, you'll be able to go ahead and log in or create an account. And the account is free, guys. So you can go ahead and do that. And so again, I'm just kind of going here a little bit forward in, uh, you know, just to share with you what it is that you would do. So again, we would just simply go to verizon.com and forward slash my ad tech life. And there you go. That's what you would do there. And you would create your account. So let me go ahead and just log out real quick because there are some things that I do want to talk about yeah. and I do want to share, obviously, where teachers can go ahead and find the professional development and the virtual conferences. So this is where you all can go and it's right here on the screen and I'm kind of hovering over it right here where you can click here to register for these webinars. So let me just come back over here real quick with David. So David, tell us a little bit about what uh, our educators can expect when they log in and they go ahead and go to the Elevating Innovation webinars starting November 7th. What kind of professional development would they be able to find? Yeah, yeah and that, that, that question makes me, makes me super excited for, for a few reasons. Uh, and I get kind of watery eyed uh, when I when I when I think about it, primarily because the there's a lot of work that goes into planning and and orchestrating meaningful learning events, and and the individual that's two of the individuals that are in charge of putting putting this work together really put a lot of a lot of sweat into what it is they're bringing to the forefront uh, for educators. Again, just using that term responsive, knowing and understanding what individuals want across the United States, but also understanding that we typically learn the best through collaboration, the same way that a 16 year old is going to learn, going to learn the best from a 16 year old, right? It works the same way for adults that with language comes community. And when we, when we log in and we, we go ahead and I'd say anybody watching this, I want to encourage you to please, please, please register for the Elevating Innovative Con Conference, virtual conference, free conference, free 99. Right. What you see is at the root of elevating innovation is new and innovative ways. If, if you are somebody 
that wants to learn more. If you, if you have that terminal passion to move your classroom or to move, move the spaces that you occupy where students are at the forefront to another level, interested in learning about the latest educational trends, innovation, and from experts, right? And these are just, these just aren't just random people that we found. We're talking about experts in industry who have put in hours, countless hours to, to bring you to bring you the best verified content. Um, and it is, I want to know, it is on election day. So before you log in, please make sure you get out and go vote, right? And once you're done voting, once you're done voting, once you, once you handle your civic duty, go ahead and log in to, go ahead and log into Elevate and Innovation. It'll be an amazing use of your time. We have speakers from Girls, Girls at Cold. We have class tech founders. We have people from the cult pedagogy. Like we really put a lot of time and effort into what we bring just to ensure that it is the best use of your time from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And, and a good part about it is if you don't catch it live, you can also access that in the HQ. And that's a shameless plug to go ahead and move, go ahead and move over to the HQ to check out the amount of beautiful things we have in there. But again, just to drive the point home, when you think about, you think about the evolution of education, and I want to keep going back to that because we have to, we have to stand at the forefront of it in order, right? In order for us to move to the next level or the next iteration of what we know education to be, if we want to be a part of that wave, if we want to be change agents, then we have to be proactive. And a part of being proactive is, is attending, sorry, the Elevating Innovation Virtual Conference, because that's where we get ahead. That's how we best equip ourselves to, to get out and get into the fight of equity. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, uh, just looking at the lineup right now, you know, you're, Jennifer Gonzalez, huge fan, been following her for a long time. Tom Murray, you know, I've seen him, you know, at several conferences here in Texas, and he just definitely brings it. Monica Burns, Dr. Monica Burns, amazing also as well. And I've actually had the honor of having Jeff Horwitz on the show from Novak Education as well and talking about UDL and MTSS mm -hmm. and Chris Bronk. Or Bronchi, I, I think I haven't had him on the show, but I definitely want to get him on the show for sure. But this is an amazing lineup. And like you mentioned, you know, I think that this is something that is great where you're bringing wonderful practitioners with a wealth of knowledge and experience yes. that get to see the big picture. Oftentimes, like I said, you know, maybe we, we only see what is in front of us in our district. And oftentimes, you know, that is true, not only for teachers, but our admin, where many times we just see what is in front of us. And in our our immediate, you know, school or right. even district. Right. But it's important that we open up, you know, to what other districts are doing, what yes. other educators are doing, because we just continue to learn from one another. And I think that's so important about learning communities. And so again, you know, the the people that you have here, it's just something that's great and wonderful. So I definitely encourage, you know, right along with David, anybody that is interested in this, and this is going to be an amazing event. And just like we mentioned earlier, it is free 99. So there is no cost to you, but the benefits will definitely be very rewarding because I guarantee you that many of these speakers, all of the speakers, I should say, are definitely going to bring in something that is going to be amazing to help you sharpen your skills. And again, like I mentioned, dropping those knowledge nuggets that you can sprinkle to what you sprinkle on to what you are already doing great. So we definitely encourage you to do that. Now, again, we did mention, you know, as far as RSVP for the live event, just go to verizon.com forward slash my tech life and you'll be able to get linked here. And then you'll look for that banner that we noticed at the very at uh, the very top. And then that way you can go ahead and sign up. And again, let me show you real quick. Let me bring that up again. There you go. So you'll go here. Join us for the free professional development virtual conference, elevating innovation. Click there register and you're all set for November 7th. And again, just like David mentioned, after your civic duty, you can go yeah. ahead and do uh, your PD. And if you miss the PD, you can always go back and rewatch it. So yeah. that is amazing. David, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Really, honestly, a, a great, wonderful conversation centered around PD. And mostly too, I love what you shared about your story. As you know, here in our podcast, it's about amplifying voices, amplifying not just platforms. I mean, yes, we're here promoting what Digital Promise is doing, but also promoting and sharing 
the individual story, the David Jackson story. So it was great to hear, you know, that origin story and hearing your experience, the eyes that you have, or the the things that you've been able to see through your eyes, through your experience, through your perspective, and how that has helped you with what you're doing now and what you continue to do. So thank you so much for what it is that you're doing. And I just continue to wish you the best in what you're doing so you can continue to help our education uh, landscape continue to grow and blossom uh, by bringing some amazing PD and just helping us equip ourselves with the tools that we need for a better tomorrow. So thank you, David, for your service. Thank you, Digital Promise, for what you're doing. And obviously also thank you, Verizon, for what you're doing as well through this initiative. So I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for giving us a platform to, to amplify what it is, what it is we do and, and what it is we will continue to do to fulfill not only the digital promise, but to move students out of the margin to a place of mastery, especially again, in those areas that are historically marginalized. So thank you. Absolutely. But David, before we go, and I, I know I, I put it in the calendar, I always love to end the show with, uh, you know, the last three questions. And this is what a lot of people look forward to also in the show, because, <laughs> you know, especially the first question that I ask and talking about superheroes, you know, we know that every superhero has something that kind of weakens them. So in this case, for example, Superman has kryptonite. Kryptonite, you know, really weakens Superman and just, you know, causes, you know, some damage, you know, as it, you know, it gets closer uh, to him. But kind of in that sense, David, in the current state of education, what would you say would be your current edu kryptonite? So, yeah. for example, mine would be stay testing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, think my current, my current kryptonite, I, I was going to say cookies, but that's, that's not even relevant to what we're talking about right now. But my, my current kryptonite is, is without a doubt content that, that isn't culturally relevant or authentic, especially in, in areas where students need to see themselves, they, they need representation. So. And this may be, this is a really bold statement, especially in, in areas where certain books are banned, where those books are necessary, are a necessary reading for us to understand the, the way in which the world works. So I think that's my, that's my education kryptonite, seeing, seeing those things happen around us. All right. Good answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I honestly, I, I echo your sentiment there too, as well as something needs to be definitely very authentic and the culturally responsive piece too as well is very important. Yeah. All right. Question number two, David, is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? That's, that's, that's a hard one. That, that's a hard one. And, and I'll take this. I had a, um, had a colleague that, that eventually turned into, turned into one of my mentors who I deeply look up to. And he, he, he has this phrase, and I want to give him credit for the phrase. His name is, his name is Dwayne. Um, and he has a quote that says, do right by students. And I love that quote so much because it is the core of what we do. Like my personal one doesn't matter. Education is a, is a very selfless field. Like you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for somebody else. And if you're going to do it for somebody else, then we should do right by those students. And I want to shout out Dwayne, uh, Dwayne for ensuring that, that that is something that he lives by. So I would just plaster that on a, on a bill. Excellent. Great, great uh, answer. And also, thank you, Dwayne. Appreciate that. The inspiration behind that too as well. Love it. All right, David, the last question is, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would your book be about? Yeah, if I could write a book tomorrow, it, it'd be about identity. It's, it's, it's something when we think about going back to the learning ability, considering all of the unique things that, that students bring to the classroom, the unique experiences that create a person. Uh, I would write a book about identity and, and its relevant student identity and its relevance to adult identity, the teacher identity, or also the, its relevance to what it is students can produce. Because I think that that matters, right? That, that matters a lot. The relationship between teacher and student, especially when we talk about discourse, which is another conversation, but 
it matters, right? We see identities clash and understanding, getting down to the bottom of that um, may truly play a big role in, in understanding, understanding the core and harder students and some personal work in understanding yourself. So that, uh, that, that, that's what I would write a book about. Excellent. Great book. Definitely believe it'll be a bestseller. Definitely something that a lot of us would definitely be into reading. So appreciate that share. David, again, it has been wonderful having you here. Like I said, ever since we started in the pre-chat, I definitely knew that this was going to be a great conversation. So again, thank you so much for the wealth of knowledge you shared, your experiences, um, you know, and for the work that you do. Again, I can't uh, you know, thank you enough for your service and obviously the work that you're doing with, uh, you know, Digital Promise and Verizon. So I'm definitely excited and pumped to get a lot of my, our audience members. Hopefully, you know, after listening to the show, all of the links will be on the show notes. So please make sure that you do sign up for the Elevating Innovation uh, yep. webinars. And again, if you miss it, it it's okay. They're going to be there. You can access them. But again, don't forget, do your civic duty, then we can go ahead and make sure that we get our learn on for sure. And again, it's absolutely free. So again, yeah. David, thank you so much. Appreciate you. And to all our audience members, I want to thank Tanya. I want to thank Sophie. I want to thank uh, Earl that also that joined us uh, live with some, que- with some comments. So thank you so much for joining us on the live chat. And for all our audience members that are going to be catching this on the replay, whether you're listening to it on the podcast or you're going to be uh, visiting our YouTube channel where you can go ahead and watch this complete uh, the whole episode. Thank you, as always, for making my EdTech life what it is today. Again, like I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, we do what we do for you so we can bring you some amazing conversations, amazing content week in and week out by amazing educators, education practitioners, professionals, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, creators and so on, anything and anybody that can help bring our education space closer together. And of course, our mission is to connect everybody one show at a time. So please make sure that you visit us at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this amazing episode and the other 237 wonderful episodes where you can take some knowledge nuggets from and sprinkle them on to what you are already doing great. Also, guys, please make sure that you follow us on all socials at My EdTech Life, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you know, you name it, it, it. You know, it's at My EdTech Life. And also, please, if you can, go to our YouTube channel, visit us, give us a like, give us a thumbs up. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers. We're kind of close to it, but any any like and follow would definitely be greatly appreciated. And of course any uh, comments as well are all welcome so thank you so much for making the show what it is like i said my heart is to give you the best each and every single time so again my friends until next time don't forget stay techie